Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of God. Brother Victor, if you could help me one real quick. Praise the Lord. If you could take this microphone and go get another battery from the sound booth, I'd appreciate it. I'm so happy to be in the presence of God. How about you? Amen. If you'd like to go in your Bibles to John chapter 2, again, I wanted to say thank you so much to all of our guests and members who have joined us today. I want to say a special uh, welcome to my friend. It's been so long, Miss Bianca. Hallelujah. And uh, praise the Lord. She was part of our youth group uh, when I was a youth pastor at my father's church. And uh, you, you said it's been about 10 years or so. It's been a, been a very long time. Thank you, Brother Victor. It's been a very long time, but I am so happy to see her and all of our other. How about you give our guests a hand today? Thank you so much for joining with us. We're going to read a story here. If you could stand for the reading of the word, and then uh, I promise to have you be seated swiftly. Um, I will say we will be doing after service. We will be doing our communion and foot washing ceremony um, I'm going to be doing that uh, directly after service. So if you do not wish to participate, please understand you do not have to. I know a lot of people have reached out to me and said, what feet? So listen, I understand. I will be explaining fully what it is and why we do it. We will be going in the word of God and talking about it. Um, so no fear, even if you don't want to participate, but you're curious, we'd love for you to stay and participate in that. I will be preaching a little bit of a short sermon. We only had two songs in order to get to it quicker, but, um, but again, I believe God wants to do something great here. Amen. John chapter two, verse one, you may recognize this story. We talked about it only a couple weeks ago, briefly. But it says, in the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, or when the wine had run out, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, let me be very clear here. He's not being rude to his mother. <laughs> when he said this line, woman, uh, I know for us it's like woman, you know, but that's not how it was considered in that day. When he said woman, it was a sign of respect. What he was simply trying to communicate is, listen, I'm not done. Up to this point, we've not seen any miracle that Jesus had done. He hadn't performed the miracle, at least not that was given to us in, in the Gospels. So at this point, he was saying, my, my time has not yet come for me to perform miracles and to work in my father's business, right? You know, many years ago, he said, I'm going to submit to my parents. I'm going to wait on my father's business until the right time. So when he says, whatsoever uh, or what, what have I to do with thee, mine hour is not yet come. That's what he's referring to. But his mother recognized, it's okay, he's going to do what I say anyhow, like mothers usually do. He saith unto the servants, her mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. 
And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. These were the water pots that held the water that the servants would use to wash the feet of their guests. And again, I know this is something that we don't do these days. The idea is lost on us in some ways. But in that day, it was essential for you to wash your feet often. They walked with sandal-like shoes. All of their roads were dirt roads. By the time you got to where you were going, your feet were filthy. So it was hospitable to provide servants that would wash your feet when you entered in the building. And that's what Jesus found. He said, well, listen, there's only these six water pots of stone that were used by the servants to wash the feet. Verse 7, Jesus saith unto them, fill these water pots with water. They filled up the water pots to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was turned into wine, he knew not where it came from. This is a part I'd like to draw my sermon title from. It says, but the servants which drew the water knew. Nobody else did but the servants. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth the good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. They're too drunk to be able to tell the difference. He says, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Hallelujah. Thou hast kept the good wine until now. Today I want to preach to you just for a little while as an introduction to our communion and foot washing ceremony I want to preach to you on this topic, what the servants saw. What the servants saw. If we could put our Bibles down and let's just talk to the Lord and ask God to speak to us. Lord Jesus, I know that God, you've got a great plan for us today. I thank you for bringing all of these souls together to worship you. Certainly, as the scripture says, you are building your church, Lord God, and you are desiring for us to join together and worship to you. I pray that you would bless this sermon. Allow me to speak directly into our hearts today in Jesus. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody clap your hands and shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you saw me walking around with a mask on earlier, I woke up this morning feeling just a little ill. I'm not going to die, and trust me, I don't think it's COVID. However, I will wear my mask later to make sure you feel comfortable. But that means I need you to preach with me today, all right? You're going to make it easy on your pastor today? Amen. I got three of you. You're going to make it easy on your pastor today? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is such an incredible story. Again, the first miracle that Jesus performed, at least that we have in writing. What an incredible story it is about 
this marriage in Cana of Galilee. There are several interesting characters in this story, of course. Jesus being one of them. Jesus being invited to this marriage. The disciples being invited to the marriage. This was an opportunity for them to be with other people without necessarily ministering to them. Another character, of course, being Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, And thankfully, she was there because she was sensitive enough to the needs of those, the bride and the, the bridegroom, to call on Jesus to perform this uh, miracle, turning water into wine. Of course, we don't see the bride in this dialogue, but we do see the bridegroom. We see the governor of the feast, who in, uh, in uh, that all that we know, it, he would be almost like the lord of the party, if you will. He'd be the one that would be overseeing the events and the, the, uh, the occasion. And, and he would be the honored guest, if you will, at this, uh, marriage. Perhaps he was the father-in-law. Perhaps he was somebody important in the city. Whoever he was, he was given the title as the governor of the feast. Uh, but of course, these are all interesting characters we find in the story. But the story, in fact, is not about uh, any one of them. The story, of course, is not about uh, the governor of the feast, although he plays an important role. It's not about the bridegroom, although he plays an important role. We know that this is about the life of Jesus and him performing a miracle. But there's another group of people that held an incre- increasing importance important role in the dialogue, and that is the servants. The servants who we often don't even recognize when we read this story, we hardly even give them thought as we read through, but they are mentioned several times, and in fact more times than any other character in this story. They're mentioned. And the reason being, it was the servants. Now, perhaps these servants were in charge. Perhaps they were paid servants in order to get the wine and to make the food preparations and to prepare the, the wine for the marriage. It's possible that these servants were in charge of providing for this entire feast, which was a big deal to do. It wasn't a small little task. Even today, if you have to put on a wedding, you'd recognize a wedding of only 30, 40, 50 people. It's still a hard thing to do, praise God. So these people in their day were called upon to do this. They were not there to enjoy the party. They were not there to rejoice with the bridegroom and the bride. They were not there to encounter the governor of the feast. The servants were there for one reason, and that is to work. I know that's crazy, right? Mind-blowing. The servants were there to work. And all the other people were outside dancing, singing, having a good time with the newly married couple, rejoicing, Uh, And again, it was uh, very similar even to our weddings where it would be a a big party after their wedding, a time of celebration. 
Yet you would find the servants there in the kitchen, slaving over a hot stove, if you will. Hallelujah. Maybe some hot coals to provide the food. They were responsible for making sure each person was fed. Each person had drink enough to drink wine that would provide for the entire party. Hallelujah. They were not privileged to be a part of the party. They had to remain in their servitude during the party. However, we find that even though they were not part of the party, even though they were not the honored guests, they were able to experience something greater than anybody else did in the evening. Oh, praise God. While those of the party were concerned with other things, those of the party were concerned with having fun, with celebration, it was the servants that were in the background who got to witness one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed while he was on the earth. Hallelujah. Praise God. And my sermon is simple here today, but I'd like to simply tell you that it's not those who are celebrating in the party. It's not the governor of the feast. It's not those who are drinking the wine, but it's those who are serving the wine that will be able to experience the power and miraculous power of God like no one else can. Hallelujah. I know for us, much like in those days, our mindset is positional. I want to be next to Jesus. I want to be first. I want to be part of the party. I want to sit next to the governor of the feast. Yet what did Jesus say? They, those who shall be first shall be last, and those who are last shall be first. So my sermon today is simply to remind you, hallelujah, that if you really want to see the hand of God in your life, here's my suggestion. Don't be the one partying it up, but be the one who's serving in the background. Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. Because it was the servants, not the governor of the feast, not all... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It wasn't the bridegroom. It was the servants who brought the water to Jesus. And Jesus transformed it. It was the obedient servants, hallelujah, who took this water pot, who they, the water pot that they were used to carrying, because it was the same water pot that only a few hours earlier they most likely washed the feet of the guests with. And they carried this water pot out. And as they poured it, expecting this same nasty, ugly water that was used to wash feet, but what came out was red wine. And nobody else thought anything of it, but the servants were amazed. What is this? What is this? This isn't the water that we sought out. This isn't the water that we put in these, these jars. What is 
this. And nobody else knew. Everybody else was rejoicing and celebrating. But the servants saw and they knew. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, you always talk about miracles and signs and wonders and, and, and you know, all these things that God is doing. And how come I'm not seeing any of it? I ask them, are you serving? Hallelujah. Are you serving? Praise God. Are you serving your brothers and sisters? Are you serving those in the church? How do I know if I'm serving? Well, well, Mary, she gave the servants a command. This is one that I would suggest for all of us to do today. She said in verse 5 to the servants, do whatever he says. <laughs> whatever Jesus says, do ye. I know it's going to seem awkward, it's not going to make any sense. Why grab a bunch of water pots? What's the point of all this? Why am I going to just go pour out water in their glasses? I don't understand. But Mary said, just do what he says. Can I tell you, being a servant, rarely do you understand the purpose behind your actions. But you say, I'm going to go ahead and just do it anyhow because I know that God is working in the background. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I... There's several stories that kept coming to mind as I was telling these new stories for you guys, all right? Hallelujah. Not the old stories you've heard a million times. Praise God. But I remember uh, I was at working at a youth camp. I was very young. I was 18 years old. I know I'm still very young. Thank you. Hallelujah. I was 18 years old, and uh, I volunteered to work at our district youth camps in Ocala, Florida. It was the 15 to 16-year-olds. The week after that, I would be attending the 17 to 19-year-old camp as a camper. But this week, I wanted to go and be a worker. I, uh, I went there, and, you know, the very first uh, meeting, to my surprise, I got assigned kitchen duty. I thought, oh, great. You know, I thought maybe at least I'd be in the dorms helping kids go to sleep or something. But I got assigned kitchen duty. And... Uh, I went in the kitchen and began to do my job. Well, the very first service rolled around, and a lady came up to me. She was also part of the kitchen crew. She said, Aaron, I know you're not supposed to be working in the kitchen tonight, but they asked me to sing. Can you take my spot? I said, oh, okay, sure. You know, I'll do you a favor. Well, the second service came around. And another person came to me and said, Aaron, they asked me to sing today in church. I'm telling you, this is the truth. I'm not, this is not an embellishment at all. They asked me to sing in church service today. Can you take my spot? I know you're supposed to do it later, but can you take my spot this morning so I can sing in the, Sunday, in the, the uh, morning service? At that point, I thought, well, you know, I like to sing too. And then I said, you know, okay, sure. You know what? It's fine. Let me do it. 
the next service, another person came to me. I said, how many singers do you guys need over there? She said, I, I, they asked me to sing. Can you take my, my uh, uh, slot tonight in the kitchen? I thought, man, my fingers are going to die. They're my, my, you know, they're going to be so, uh, the whole week, my fingers looked like I was, I was an old man because I was in the kitchen doing dishes all day, every day. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, okay, that's fine. And you know what? Part of me wanted to say, you know, why don't I go talk? I even thought about it. Let me go tell them. I like to sing too. Maybe they don't know. I thought, no, I can't do that. I said, because it's just as important to be a singer upon the platform as it is to be in here doing these dishes. Hallelujah. And I, the, I'm not telling you this to try to make myself look good. Please understand that. But God taught me something that day. During that week, God taught me something. He just showed me that, that yes, sometimes we want to be the singers and we want to have these jobs where it's in front of everybody, but the dishes have to be done too. And so the servant work has to be done too. And it's not a degrading position, no God. He recognizes the servants and he blesses them. He honors them. There is no greater position of honor in the kingdom of God than the position of a servant. Oh, Jesus. I had never washed more dishes in my life. And I had never attended so few services in my life. <laughs> I got just glimpses of each and every service. I wasn't able to take part in any of them. And every time somebody came and asked, I just told myself again, I'm not going to claim that I did it happily, but I told myself again, that's all right, this is important too. And I bit my tongue. I said, all right, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And I stayed there. Well, the very next week, it was the Monday morning service, the very first service. I went there thinking to myself, no dishes. Hallelujah. I'm just a camper. I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to worship God. The very first service, they came up to me and they said, Aaron, could you sing this morning? And can I tell you that I sang every service that week. Hallelujah. This isn't again to lift me up, but to say God honors the servants. God blesses the servants. Those who will humble themselves and just do what needs to be done. There's a special place in the kingdom of God for you. What if I had gone and said, hey, I want to sing. Can I sing today? Maybe I would have sang. It might have been all right. But I wouldn't have been asked and been put in this position where they asked every night. Praise God. The Bible says when you come to a feast or something of significance, don't take the honorable seat. Take the lowest seat. He said, because it's more honorable to be asked to move ahead than it is to assume the role. 
Can I encourage somebody? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel something about this sermon is connected with some people today. Can I just encourage you? If you're a servant in this place, God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. I think of the story of Moses and the children of Israel. I don't have a lot left to go. I think of the story of the Moses and the children of Israel. God had shown up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. Moses was convicted and God spoke to him and showed him that Nobody can touch the mountain, Exodus 19 and 12. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourself that ye go not up into the mountain, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. This is pretty intense here. Whoever touches this mountain, goes up on this mountain, shall surely be put to death. Then God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to come up. Moses tells the children of Israel, I'm going up on the mountain. God's got something to show me. You stay here. Don't come and try to find me. Don't touch the mountain, because if you do, you shall surely be put to death. You guys stay put, and I'll be back in a little bit. Don't touch the mountain. It's going to kill you. Come on, Joshua. Let's go up in the mountain. Joshua was just a servant in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And if anybody else had touched the mountain, they surely would have been put to death. But Moses says, Joshua, you're my armor bearer. You're my servant. You come on with me. And Joshua was invited to step up onto the mountain with Moses. And he took that trek all the way up. And I know we talk about Moses being 40 days and nights in the mountain. Guess who was with him? Joshua was with him the whole time he was there. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because we know what happened on the Mount of God. Hallelujah. Verse 15, Exodus 24 and 15 says, And Moses went up into the mountain. This is after it just said Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain in verse 13. It says that a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mountain. And Moses was in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This is where the hand and the finger of God wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone. And he handed it to Moses. This is where God spoke to Moses. And you know who was sitting there next to him? The servant. And I know some people believe Moses, Joshua only went some mount and Moses went the wet rest. Honestly, I don't know, but the Bible doesn't say that. 
In fact, in verse 15, Exodus 32 and 15, it says that Moses turned and went down from the mountain as he's walking down Joshua, in verse 17, begins to talk to him and say, I hear the sound of the people as they shouted. In no place does it say that Joshua was ever not with him. Moses is a man of God. He's a leader of Israel. He's he's seen the, the plagues in Egypt. He's seen God part the waters He's seen manna be poured out and cover the face of the ground for the children of Israel. He's seen all of these miracles. And now Joshua, the only one invited up on the mountain with him, the servant, got to experience all that Moses did up on the mountain. And you know what? While he was up there, the children of Israel was down there building a golden calf They were committing sins and idolatry. The only reason Joshua was not a part of that, and my reason for that is because everyone was a part of it, including Aaron, Moses' brother. The only reason Joshua was not a part of the sins of the camp is because he wasn't in the camp. He was a lowly servant who had gone up on the mountain with Moses, serving the man of God. Serving the man of God. And, And I'm sure you know this, but Joshua did end up becoming the leader of Israel. But before he was ever a leader, he was a servant. And before he saw miracles and signs and wonders done at his own hand, he witnessed miracles and signs and wonders done at Moses' hand as he served and followed him. This is so important. In fact, 2 Kings chapter 3 and 11 tells us an incredible story. One more and then I'm finished. An incredible story. We know Elijah was a great man of God a great prophet who was trusted by Jehoshaphat and those who were there at that day. But Elijah had been taken up. You know the story. He was taken up on a chariot of fire. His mantle fell down to the earth as Elisha picked it up. Well, nobody knew about Elisha quite yet. They knew Elijah was a man of God. But 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11 says, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Where is the prophet? We know Elijah's not here anymore. We need a prophet here. We need a man of God here who's able to give us some direction. Who's able to tell us what we need to do in this situation? We need a prophet. One of the king's servants, he said, I, I don't know of any prophets. He says, But I know Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. 
He said, I, I don't know any prophets. Elijah has risen up in the heavens, and I don't know any prophets to call on, but I know a servant to call on. If I may simply give you my heart today, I don't believe this world is calling on prophets and ministers. I don't believe that's necessarily as what they need. I think they need servants. And I'm not trying to undermine the position of the man of God and the pastors and the fivefold ministry, but the fivefold ministry is meant to be there to help those in the church to do the work of the ministry. Can I tell you, we need preachers, we need all those things, but what we need first and foremost is we need servants. Servants whose only job is it to pour water on the hands of Elijah. They called on Elisha, we can stand. They did call on Elisha. And Elisha did exactly what he was trained. He did exactly what he saw Elijah do time and time and time again. Elisha prophesied to the leader and the king of Israel. What the servants saw was the miracles and signs and wonders. Can I tell you that there there are no greater prophets than those who were first servants. And there's no greater preachers than those who were first servants. No greater Bible study teachers or Sunday school teachers or singers or musicians or door greeters or media people or anybody or any other position. The greatest among them are the servants. It wasn't the man who had the most talent in the building that got to see the water turned into wine. It was the servants. It wasn't the man that everybody trusted and called upon to be the governor of the feast. It was the servants. If you have no talents, you have no ability, you don't know what your calling is, let me tell you this morning, just be a servant to God and the kingdom of God. Be a servant in the kingdom of God. Be a servant. And you'll see the hand of God in this place. Hallelujah. I want everybody to stay right where they're at, but let's go ahead and have an altar call. We're not going to invite you down. I want you to stay at your seat, but can we take a moment right now and call on the name of the Lord? Let's allow this sermon just to sink into our hearts and our minds. Hallelujah. We're going to take a moment. Oh, Lord Jesus, God, we hear you. Hallelujah, if you want to bow down at your seed, whatever you want to do, we're going to take a moment, hallelujah, just to pray over this sermon before we turn to our communion and foot washing. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Oh, Lord. 
God, help me to be a servant, Lord. Lord, help me to be a servant, God. Help me to be a servant to my family. Help me to be a servant to my loved ones. Help me to be a servant to my pastor. Help me to be a servant to my church. Help me to be a servant to my children. I have a hope found in your name. And I have a strength found in your grace. Your faithfulness, my fortress over and over. Make way through the world, walk me through the fire, do what you are famous for, what you are famous for. I'd like to prophesy to somebody right now, you have served as a servant for years in the kingdom of God, and God is being ready to pour out his anointing upon you, and that which you have seen, ye shall do, and that which you have heard, ye shall speak. In the name of Jesus, you are becoming more than just a servant, but as a servant, I will use you as a prophet and a preacher to the nations in Jesus. Jesus name Can I tell you it was the servants that got to serve the new wine. It was the servants that got to serve the new wine. If you want to be a preacher, if you want to preach the gospel to the lost, it's the servants that'll deliver the new wine. Hallelujah, become a servant.
you 